Hi, I'm Damon Frank, and you're listening to The Recovered Life Show, and this is an episode of How I Did It. Every episode, I talk with someone in recovery about how they've been able to stay sober. We dive into what their life in addiction was like and what their life in sobriety is like now. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this episode is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now, let's jump into the discussion and find out how they did it. I'd like to welcome Rachel Heckman to the show. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I am so great. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't we start by you just introducing yourself? You know, tell us what addiction you suffered from and how long you've been sober. So um, addiction I've suffered from, it, it could be everything from alcohol to to songs to music. I'm ADHD. So they go really, they really go hand in hand. And I still suffer from certain addictions such as people or places or so we can get into all of that but I've been sober for a little over two and a half years from alcohol specifically that was the last addiction from a substance that I was trying to get off and it's been the most amazing two and a half years of alcohol freedom that's so great so when you when you look back Rachel at your addiction uh when did you realize that something was not quite right about the way that you used to drink and you know tell us let's go back to tell us a a story or a situation when you drank or used early on and you realize that something's not quite right with your relationship with alcohol well i started drinking alcohol when i was 14 um and the first time i ever got drunk was the the night i lost my virginity actually and that should have been probably a warning sign from the beginning that this is not good for you but it was the first time that i felt n- numb from my feelings and that i didn't have to feel in pain or or just anxious all of the time so you know i think that i knew from a pretty young age that i wasn't supposed to be you know blacking out at age 16, that probably wasn't good, but I also was surrounding myself with people that were also doing that. So it made me feel like it was okay. And like, it was normal. Um, you know, as I got older and I continued drinking and I got into college and I continued to drink a lot and surround myself with those kinds of people, I did know that I was definitely loving the party more than my peers. Um, but I still didn't think it was an issue that I had to deal with until after college when the depression hit and everything really, really got real with the real, with real life. And I knew about, I would say six years, seven years before I stopped drinking that eventually I'd have to be sober. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when, what was your life life growing up? Like did members of your family suffer from addiction? Did you have any experience in seeing anybody get sober? So no one in my family suffered from addiction, you know, uh, or that I knew of, uh, when I got older, I did see patterns of, uh, alcohol consumption to a much larger extent on one side of my family, but no one has ever gotten sober in my family. I am the first person on either side of my family to actually go through this journey. I did have a very close friend from growing up that, got sober way before me. And she took me to my first AA meeting in here in the city. And I'll never forget that. I went in there thinking, I'm just going to support my friend. And then I heard everyone in the room saying things that 
totally related. And I burst into tears the second we got out of there. But, you know, her father was actually in AA for over 40 years when I met her. So I did get experience and got to hear from people that got sober. And I got to see that before I went through it. So I do think that was really helpful to my journey. And also to have people to ask questions to and, you know, kind of guide me before I took the leap. <laughs> what what happened as a result of your addiction to alcohol? Uh, what did your life become? Like, where did you end up? And how was your life day to day when you were still actively in addiction? It was horrible. Like, it was miserable, horrible, sad, uh, hopeless. I didn't want to live anymore for a long time. Uh, I wasn't going to act on those feelings because I love my parents and I love my family, but it's a really, really sad, scary place to be when nothing makes you happy, nothing brings you joy, and you just kind of trudge through the days waiting for it to be over, and then you start again. And I felt like I was trapped in this vicious cycle um, of, of just waking up feeling like crap, going to a job that I really didn't like being in a relationship that I knew wasn't right for me anymore. We had grown, but I was, I was too scared to be alone. Um, then being miserable and drinking the second I get home, uh, or going out and drinking and drinking to such excess that I would usually fall asleep on my couch, um, and waking up and repeat and not, I lived like that for almost 10 years. Wow. So, you know, do you remember the day? Like, what was your bottom? Like, so did you do you remember a time that you just woke up and you said, okay, that's it. Like, I'm going to get sober today and I'm not going through this anymore. No, actually, um, I didn't have a rock bottom that you would think about, like in our in our society, when we think like, oh, you lose your job, you lose your your family, you lose everything. It wasn't like that for me. Um, I think I had a lot of a lot of rock bottoms and rock bottoms. I, there was one instance that does come to mind, and it was really pivotal in my journey way before I got sober. I was with the friend I was just telling you about who took me to the first AA meeting. We were in Italy. And she was sober and I was not. I went out alone and I ended up blacking out in Italy alone. I had to be carried back to my hotel and uh, I woke up in the bathroom and she was horrified. I was embarrassed. I I was just like, oopsie. But she was like, no, this is a serious, you have a problem. And, and that was the first time I ever said to her or out loud to anyone, I have a problem and eventually I need to stop, but I'm not ready yet. Um. But I, I don't know if I said that just to appease her and have her get off my back. But saying that out loud did change something in, in me. Then fast forward uh, to when I was stopping drinking. It was COVID. It was 20, January 2021. Uh, you know, I had lost my job because of COVID months before I stopped drinking. Um, I was still in my relationship that I didn't really want to be in anymore. Um, I had got come back to New York. I had an apartment. I, there wasn't really a rock bottom. I was just unhappy with my life. And I thought that when I didn't have a job that I had to go to that I hated, or I could just kind of didn't have responsibilities that I had, like I would be happy. And I could, if I could drink as much as I wanted or eat whatever I wanted, but I had that during COVID and I wasn't happy. And so that was the point where I was like, okay, how do I get happy? Where how do I wake up feeling purpose and passion? And I want to better myself and I want to move my body and eat well. Like, how do I do that? Um, and that really did click during, uh, there was a moment in COVID where I was sitting in my mom's lake 
because we were, I, I went to New Hampshire to escape New York City during COVID. And I was laying there drinking alone with my dog <laughs> in the lake. And a man was running by my mom's house. And I see him running. And I, the immediate thought in my head was, ugh, a little loser running on such a nice day. Like, why isn't he drinking in the lake? And that was the first time a different voice came in into my into play and was like, Rachel, he he's not the one who's a loser. Like, it's you. <laughs> it's you drinking by yourself in the lake when he's bettering himself and trying to work on himself. And I had this internal dialogue where I was like, OK, well, then how do I get to be like that guy where he wants to run on a day like this instead of sit like a blob in the lake and drink? And then it dawned on me. He wasn't drinking whiskey until he passed out on his couch every night. He definitely wasn't doing that. But it took another six months after that revelation for me to actually even try to stop drinking. Uh, after you decided to get sober, what did you do? So what was your first month of sobriety like? Uh, you know, I always like to ask people like, what worked for you? What didn't work for you that first month? Well, I did not go into the month thinking it was going to be a forever thing. I It was dry January. I had never done a dry January before. Um, but my little sister was getting married, uh, that fall and I had gained a lot of weight from COVID and that was what my motivation was in the beginning. Cause I didn't want to stop drinking. Uh, so I was like, you know what, maybe I'll lose some weight this month. Maybe I'll feel better. Let me just try to get through January. And I think that because I only gave myself that one goal of 30 days, that's why I was successful. Um, I got through the 30 days and it was hard. But it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, maybe because of the camaraderie of dry January, maybe because it was still lockdown and I didn't have to go out and explain myself to people. Um, but I got through the 30 days uh, drinking a lot of tea. <laughs> Every time I wanted a drink, I would make a cup of tea, which is one of my biggest tips that I send to people. Um, and I moved my body every single time I wanted a drink. It was January here in New York, but I would put on two pairs of pants, put on my dog's little coat and we would just walk and we walk as far as we could and we'd come back. And at the end of the 30 days, my anxiety that I had in my chest, my whole life, that was like this tight gate, like lock on my, my breathing. It was easing up and it was, I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't know it was possible to feel that way. I didn't know it was possible to wake up in the morning without feeling like crap. And I woke up feeling so good. I started like singing to myself in the morning, like, what are we going to do now? And that's when I started walking to Central Park in the morning with my dog. Um, and Central Park, you know, it's massive. I didn't know my way around the park at all. And I was, I had only drank there. And I, so I was scared to kind of explore it. So we would literally just walk to the park, do like a one little path in there and turn around. My dog, George, he is an adventure explorer dog. He was not okay with just doing one little one little path. So the more we went, the more he would try to pull me further into the park. And eventually, as I got further into my journey, I was like a little bit more okay with stepping out of the comfort zone, literally. And as we as I progressed, George and I ended up getting up to six miles every single morning in the park where he would go off leash, which is a whole other thing. You got to, that's a lot of anxiety when you're not used to it. And that became our morning ritual of literally moving my body every morning in Central Park. Um, and it was such a pivotal part of my, of my journey. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. So your dog really was the, was your guide to live in a, a bigger life in recovery. 1000%. And the thing about the dog is I got him in November of 2018. And that in November of 2018, I was in a really dark, deep depression where I could barely get off my couch. And something in me was saying, you need to rescue a dog. And I think it was like laughable to some people around me because they were like, "How? why are you going to get a dog when you're having trouble taking care of yourself? But in my head, I thought I need something else to take care of or I don't know if I'm going to make it. And getting him was the single hand, the best thing I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, and when I stopped drinking in 2021, George's life got so much better too. Uh, you know, and we started exploring together and we just developed this bond that I don't even, I can't even describe, but I, I also recommend to people if you're struggling and you want that consistency in the routine and move, you know, get a dog. They force you to get up. They force you to feed them. They force you to play with them and they give you some serotonin that you need sometimes. So like seriously, the best part of, of the whole thing. So now that you're sober, Tell us about your life in recovery. What have you been able to do since you've been sober? What are some amazing things that happened in your life because you're in recovery now? Literally everything. Like my whole life is different because of the that moment that I, you know, and not drinking. I, I mean, to the point of, you know, I, I left my relationship about a hundred days sober. Uh, we ended up, we were married. That's a whole thing, but we got divorced. I was able to, by the apartment that I'm in now, uh, last fall, which is a crazy feat in New York City. I can't, I still can't believe I was able to do that. Um, you know, I I actually just started my own company six months ago, uh, which is Sober in Central Park, which is my whole recovery page that I started uh, at about almost nine months sober. And if you, I, can, I still can't believe the way that that account has changed my life and changed the lives of other people that are a part of the community. Uh, I was working in nonprofit philanthropy before I did started doing sober in Central Park full time. So I always was trying to, you know, make an impact in society or at least, you know, taking money from wealthy New Yorkers and giving it to people who needed it helped me sleep at night. Um, but when I started getting DMs from people that would say things like, I found your account you know, nine months ago, and now I'm three months sober. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. I, I, there was no direct impact that I'd ever felt like that before. And all I was doing was really talking about myself and, and sharing what had happened to me. So that's when I, I was like, maybe this is my purpose. Maybe I'm supposed to be sharing my story and telling people what happened and kind of glamorizing the alcohol-free life because it is glamorous. It's awesome. And I glamorized my drinking for so long that why can't I glamorize my sobriety? Um, and I think that I was looking for that purpose my for so long and I didn't know what it was. And that also led me to drink because I was felt so lost in this world. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I here for? And it kind of gave like a reason and a and like some kind of whatever to all of this, the bad stuff I went through before. It made me think that if that stuff hadn't happened, I wouldn't appreciate my life now and I wouldn't have this story to tell. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Rachel, if someone's listening to this podcast and maybe they're on the fence about whether they should get sober, what advice would you give them? Do it. 
do it. Try it out. See what happens. Give yourself a goal of 90 days. Try even maybe six months. See it as a detox. See it as a body reset. And once you get to that that point, then reflect and and do a check and say, do I really want to have a beverage now and and go back to the life I had? Or do I want to continue and maybe just see how long I can go without drinking? I think it's really, really important to not think work. It's forever, especially in the beginning. Just go day by day, but give yourself that goal and then really, really reevaluate how you feel. Because, you know, if I I just can't imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't done that dry January. Um, I also think doing it during a dry month, like sober October or dry January is really, really helpful because for some reason, when people ask and you say, oh, I'm doing sober October this month, people will back off a little bit easier and not grill you as hard. They'll be like, oh, okay. And it gives you that extra time to really like get your tools ready of what you're going to say to people when they start to question you. Love it. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to specially recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.